Welcome to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's Word in a way that transforms us. We are continuing our series on baptism, and like Kyle did last time, we just want to start off each episode by sharing our baptism testimonies, just how we got baptized, what that process was like. So for me, I grew up going to a church and heard the gospel at a young age. I went there for preschool, all throughout elementary, on to middle and high school. And I don't know exactly when I believed the gospel for the first time, but I had been yeah, taught through Sunday school and different classes and things that just about Jesus and who he was. And I understood it. I believed that Jesus died for me to save my soul. And I wanted to have a relationship with him. And that really happened, you know, somewhere in elementary school. And during the summer before sixth grade, I attended a a FCA camp for tennis um, and just a summer camp. And I remember I had this leader there, this small group leader, and she was just the way that she led us and the way that she talked about God and about Christ and how he influenced everything of her life um, really impacted me. I, I remember I was just amazed by her genuineness, by which she spoke about the Lord and it was really clear to me that God was her source of motivation and living for Christ um, was why she did everything she did. And honestly, it was through her example that I realized that, man, you know, if I believe that Jesus is Lord, um, that means that he has to be my all. He has to be my everything. And, you know, prior to this, I, again, like I said, I had known the gospel um, and had believed the gospel, but had always been afraid of being baptized. Um, I was really shy. I mean, again, I was going into my sixth grade year, young, shy Michelle. Um, and I was just afraid of getting in front of people and telling them what I believed. But after that week at camp, I realized like, man, no, Jesus is who I want to live for the rest of my life. And so I talked to my church, my pastors, they talked to me, um, and decided I want to be baptized. And so when I came back from camp, I was baptized by my dad, which was really special, um, at my church on August 3rd, 2003. So that is my baptism date. And it's been cool to look back on just different things I wrote around that time. I I tried to find it, but I couldn't. But I'd even written a little poem when I was baptized just about the meaning of baptism. And looking back on that, I'm like, yeah, I understood. I understood what I what baptism symbolized, I understood the gospel, and I wanted to demonstrate that with my life. And so that is my baptism story for you all. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, last week, Kyle introduced us to the meaning of baptism. And today we're going to be talking about the mode of baptism. So you might be wondering, like, what is mode? What do we mean by mode of baptism? And Yeah, when I say that word mode, what we really mean is the way in which we practice baptism. So the way we do it, how we do it. And I would say there's probably three primary modes that different denominations maybe practiced or that you've seen or even heard of. And I'd say probably the three biggest ones are sprinkling, pouring, and immersion. So sprinkling is very much like it sounds, is just the sprinkling of water on someone's head. Um, Pouring is again similar to how it sounds, is the pouring of water over one's head. And immersion is dipping a person under and out of water. Um, so kind of their whole whole body going under and out of. And, you know, as Baptists, we believe and we practice baptism by immersion. And the question I really want to answer today is just why? Why do we believe in baptism by immersion? Why do we believe 
um, in practicing baptism in that mode. And there's really three big reasons or three big factors that I want us to just unpack today. And they are the linguistic context of baptism in the Bible. Second is just the historical practice of baptism. And then third is the symbolic significance of immersion. So the first thing that I mentioned that I want us to talk through is just the linguistic context of baptism in the Bible. So in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, the word for baptize, the word, when we see it in our English translations, the word baptize is baptizo in the Greek, which means to plunge, dip, or immerse something in water, right? The understanding of that word is commonly recognized and is the standard meaning of the word both in the Bible in as well as other ancient Greek texts. So again, that word baptizo, we see it both in the Bible and other ancient Greek texts, and that's how it's commonly understood, is to plunge, dip, or immerse. And the Greek language has words for pour and sprinkle, but they're never used for baptism in the scriptures. So we never see those Greek words used. Instead, we see this word baptizo. Additionally, just some of the normal understanding of the prepositions into and out of the water Right, those things, those prepositions that we see in scripture when they're talking about baptism, those seem to indicate immersion. Right, in Mark one five, people are baptized by John in the River Jordan. In the Greek, you know, the word n e n means in i n, um, not you know beside or by or nearby. Even continuing in that passage in Mark, in Mark one ten, when Jesus was baptized, it says he came up out of the water. A Greek, again, the Greek there means out of, not away from it. And so these prepositions kind of point to the idea that when there is baptism occurring, they're in water and they're coming out of water, uh, which again kind of signals this idea of immersion. So those are just a little bit of kind of the linguistic background about the word baptism in the Bible. But we're not going to stop there. A second big factor we just want to look at is just the historical context of baptism. This is kind of interesting. So first off, people who believed converted to Judaism, were baptized by total immersion. That was how they practiced baptism. Um, You know, and while baptism, there's a difference in the Jewish context, was self-administered, so they did it themselves, which is obviously different than how we would argue for baptism today, that it's administered by another person, by the church, which Jason will talk about in one of our other episodes. But I think it's still important to note that how baptism was practiced in Judaism, right? Because Christianity is a religion that is based on that foundation, that Jewish foundation. And so it seems somewhat logical that the practice of baptism in Christianity would be similar to that in the Jewish context. Second is just that immersion was the universal practice of the early church, right? This is what we saw from the beginning, early Christians, they baptized by immersion. And so I think we can rest in just the how early Christians interpreted scripture, how they experienced or even witnessed what happened. Um, And I think there's just evidence for how we should practice it today based on how they practiced it when they were much closer to Jesus's time. And the third point of just the historical context of baptism is just that the idea of immersion is permitted and often demanded in almost every New Testament instance of baptism. We're going to take a look at closer look at a few of those. So in Acts 8.36, Philip was walking with the eunuch who had heard the gospel in Ethiopia. And he says, as they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What is to prevent my being baptized? 
right? So they're walking along. The eunuch's like, hey, there's water. Can I be baptized, essentially? And it seems logical, right, that they needed a full body of water in order to baptize him rather than just some drinking water that they could have been carrying, right? If, if all that was necessary was a sprinkling or pouring, they would have had water with them on this journey, and they could have done that at any point. But it seems significant that they stop in front of this body of water and are like, oh, I see this. I can be baptized, right? So again, that's pointing to this idea that immersion was seems to be demanded by what we see in Scripture and how these events happened. This indication of immersion goes on in how the baptism was described. Okay, so this passage continues in Acts 8, 38-39, and it says, Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Again, we see those prepositions, right, that give us some indication of how this baptism happened. It says, he went down into the water and came out of the water. So again, it seems that immersion is the only mode that would explain this narrative. So Jews practiced immersion, baptism, the early church practiced immersion, and scriptural evidences of baptism seem to describe and point to it as well. And so I think this gives us further confidence in baptism by immersion. But the third area we want to consider is just the symbolic significance of baptism. You know, last week, Kyle gave a really great, helpful explanation of just the meaning of baptism, what it meant. And I, I think it's helpful to realize that I think immersion best gives a picture of the significance of baptism, right? Which is death to the old life and resurrection to the new. You know, Romans 6, 3-4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Similarly, Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Right, Baptism by immersion, where a person is literally dunked underwater, symbolizing their burying alongside Christ, and then when they're raised out of the water, symbolizing their raising alongside Christ in the resurrection of dead, of the dead. Right, This baptism by immersion seems to be what best demonstrates that picture of what baptism represents. Right, Our old selves are dying, and our new selves are rising up with Christ. Right, We're demonstrating the, the inner work of salvation that God has, has worked out in us. We're demonstrating that through our baptism. And I think immersion seems to be what most fits in demonstrating that, that inner change that has occurred in us and what the point of baptism, right? The meaning of baptism that Kyle described last week. So again, I'm just going to hit these three again. I think we, when we look at the linguistic context of baptism, when you look at the historical practice of it, and just the symbolic significance, I think this makes a pretty strong case for baptism by immersion. And so that is the mode of baptism that we practice and that we believe in. So hope this was helpful for you all. You guys can tune in next week as our series on baptism continues. Have a good one.